Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Benjamin R. Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. You know, people tune in to hear those names, Adam. <laughs> uh, in my case, I tune in about 40 minutes late from our official record time. <laughs> it's one of the ways I continue fucking you. <laughs> yeah. That is uh, that has been a thing that has happened a couple of times, but this time you gave me plenty of prior warning, so I wasn't mad about it. That's good. We we um, gotta keep our relationship strong. Yeah. Um. You know what else we gotta keep strong, Adam? Is our baseball card game. Oh, how many packs was, do you have left? I feel like we have a scant few. Yeah, we're running low. Uh, somebody was posting on Twitter that they had some of the even cards, and it made me think, like, God, we got to get get through these and get some evens. You know, the thing that our viewers enjoy most is this card bit, <laughs> yeah. so we better get that that Unaccountably. Box. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're past the halfway point of the show, so we sort of got to get on that, huh? I think we do, yeah. I mean... We didn't really start the card bit until we were well underway, so I feel like we're on track, but who knows. Uh, yeah, I have eight packs of cards here, so I believe I shall open one. Yeah, me too. The game is five cards stud. The game is exceedingly simple. Or this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Oh, I got one for masks. Hooray! That that weird episode where Data puts on uh, puts on that weird clay mask, and he becomes like a golden god. Well named. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I've got one for evolution, which we just did recently. That's fun. I got. Wait a second. Did we do evolution recently? I, I think you're thinking of... Uh, oh, this is the one with the nanites. Yeah. I was thinking that's... of the one where Barkley gets laser brains. What's that one called? Barkley gets laser brains? I don't know. That would be a better title than the one we got, I think. Oh, man, and I got a, uh, a signed card here. This is Get one you. for Aquiel. Signed by uh, Juan Ortiz himself. The man. The legend. I got all repeats. Dang. Except for, except for one, which is a special card. It is a panel from a comic book. This card contains an original comic book panel from volume two, number seven. It is yeah, number 96 of out of 130. Looks like a, uh, a green man with Captain <laughs> Picard. Uh, you gotta You got to keep your eye on those green men. Green man on the bridge. It's got the nice matting around the outside. I do like that, yeah. There's a there's a bevel and an emboss. Yeah. That's probably the fanciest type of card they got. Pretty thick. I've got one for a matter of time, which I don't think I've opened before. And one for schisms. 
Would uh, would Picard pronounce that word shishums? <laughs> that sounds like a. It sounded a little bit more Uxbridge than Picard. Yeah, it did. Didn't it? Adam. <laughs> well, exciting, fun, uh, fun pack. I find my pronunciation of words occasionally veers off. Words like shishums. People don't know what I'm talking about. Words like shishers when I'm working in the factory for my real dolls. Words like ice cream trick. <laughs> what do you say we end this charade and talk about the episode? Yeah, Ben, let's not put this off anymore, right? Yeah. Let's get into it. It's season four, episode 22, Half a Life. It's an episode about dying before your time, Ben. <laughs> and both the theme of the episode and the feeling of watching it, I feel like that's correct. <laughs> this is a rare episode that opens with a personal log from Counselor Troy. Counselor Deanna Troy, personal log, stardate 44805.3. My mother is on board. And I got, like, major Carrie Bradshaw vibes from her, her read on this. Why do I keep doing this to myself? I must be a masochist or something. That's when I first realized it. I was in an S&M relationship with my mother. You know how, like, Carrie Bradshaw is always posing questions? Yeah. In her writing. Yeah. But she never she never goes up at you know, when I ask a question I say, Adam, are you hungry? And she goes she would go, Was Adam hungry? Or was hunger Adam? You know, like or something like that. You know, that's a terrible example, but And uh the way I ask questions is like, Hey Ben But the way <laughs> she would ask is like Ben, did you find a drunk Shimoda or did a Shimoda find you? <laughs> How do you know when enough is enough? Smash cut to me fucking Jim Shimoda. <laughs> the log is about how how uh, her mom is is on board, and um, and they've also been uh, tasked with helping Doctor Timison of Kalon Two do a science experiment. So they're. They're doing a little bit of, like, it's like an uber pool, I guess, where they're kind of picking up two people that are headed to two different places, but uh, but roughly along the same route, I guess. You get two very distinct kinds of acting in this episode, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Good and yeah. bad? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's, uh, that's a more efficient way to say what I was going to say. <laughs> But Timison's uh, character, as performed by David Ogden Steers, is amazing. It's like capital A acting. Yeah. And unfortunately, it, you you counterbalance that with a camp comic Loxana Troy performance that we've come to I, know and not love. I feel like Majel Barrett was like, hey, write a really intense episode for me. One one that can really let me show off my chops. And they're like, all right, Majel. <laughs> and this is what we got. And uh, uh, boy, howdy. <laughs> it's like, you know sometimes how in a meaningless football game they'll bring like a kid out to be 
an unofficial member of the team and have them score a touchdown or something. And the you mean big, like a, like the a big lineman, Rudy! yeah, like like the lineman will get out of the way, and the little kid will scamper for the touchdown, and and they'll just sort of let him. This feels <laughs> like what they've done here for Major Barrett. Like, yeah, they. Uh, this is this is her this is her her gift touchdown episode. <laughs> well, the issue. For uh, for Doctor Timison, Timison is kind of a kind of a university professor type vibe. He is like one of the preeminent scientists from his planet, and he's spent his entire career preparing for this experiment, which is designed to test if the way he has come up with for them to defeat the collapse of their son, the uh, the son of. Uh, of Kalon 2 uh, will work. So they're going to go, they've got, they found like a proxy star that is collapsing in the same way. And they're going to shoot some modified torpedoes into it and see if they can't like jumpstart the reaction at the core of the star. It seems like a solution that Worf would really get behind. Like, is, yeah. your, is your son dying? Shoot some <laughs> torpedoes at it. Full spread. Persistent, itchy, flaky scalp. Shoot torpedoes <laughs> at it. <laughs> Bad parking at a local eatery. <laughs> Shoot some torpedoes at it. Yeah, and 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 he is a very he's a very melancholy character. My only wish has been to find a way to revive our son before I die. And we'll come to understand more about why this is, but his his planet is dying, and um, this is kind of the last best hope, and he's under stress and uh, kind of preoccupied with wanting to have the experiment go very well, but worried that it won't. And into this interesting character's life swoops. Waxana Troy of Betazed. She's also a guest on board. And owner of the fifth house, holder of the sacred chalice of Rix, heir of the holy rings of Betazed. And what are you doing for dinner? Who, you know, like any man that walks under her nose, she develops an immediate romantic fixation on. And uh, for some reason, he's like completely open to it. He's like, yeah, like, you seem, you seem pretty great. He acts like someone who is not used to someone else's affection and is just like amused and and grateful that anyone's paying any attention to him at all and it's sweet yeah. right like it is his, his, his reaction to her makes Loxana troy more acceptable more easier to tolerate in this episode because you see what she's able to do for someone who seems to need that yeah and she is more giving than she has been in past episodes i mean she she definitely like has a point of view here, but she's like <laughs> able to able to you know set it aside uh, in certain moments in order to be a comfort to to him. Yeah, which is uh, not not something we've really seen before. And also, she's not quite the cleavagey spinster that she is normally depicted as. <laughs> yeah, not quite as booby as she's been before. So yeah, I don't know. Like the character seems different. It's still annoying as fuck, but it's 
differently drawn. Yeah. She does that thing where anytime... I mean, she's supposed to be a very powerful Betazoid, and yet she is unable to perceive anyone else's intolerance of her. Or even Timison's attraction. Like, there's something about him that, that sort of blanks her ability as well, and I think she calls attention to it, too. Like, yeah. this Timison guy's great. I'm attracted to uh, to his intelligence. I'm attracted to his leopard print loaf. Like, there's <laughs> there's a lot for me to like here. This guy's cool. Yeah. This guy, like, I feel like the makeup department blew it on the loaf on this guy a little bit. Yeah. Because there's a couple of times when you get, like, you get a shot of, like, the back of his neck where the camera will be, like, it'll be, like, a a dirty over the shoulder Mm -hmm. and... And, like, the camera is not bokehing enough on the back of his neck that you can kind of see what's going on there where the loaf is supposed to go down past the neckline of his of his frock. And <laughs> it's, like, totally smeared and, and like, mushed around by the uh, the fabric. Yeah. It's like, you guys got to spray some fixative or something on that, you know? Timison's costuming here doesn't help him in the makeup department, but it also, like, it doesn't help him in the character building department either. He's got, like, some real asymmetrical uh, express in the mid-90s sort of (laughs) patterning (laughs) going on. Like, some geometric patterns that that were only popular in the mid-to-late-90s. Yeah, yeah, he almost has like a cross colors thing going on, but yeah. it's a little a little bit more <laughs> muted than that. Yeah, yeah, Professor Cross Colors. Yeah, um, he. Uh, so they they get to this star, and uh, the plan is they're going to fire these modified torpedoes in into the star. They're going to travel into the core of the star and uh, get a reaction going. And, um, and like the star will, you know, which was kind of in its wane, will reboot and, and go back to being like viable for the next however long. And so they, uh, this is like a big, exciting science experiment. And, and Timison's come, comes from a planet that like doesn't really cotton to outsiders. Like they don't know much about his, his people, but, they reached out to the Federation. The Federation was like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a hand, you know, like we can learn some cool star science from you guys and you guys could maybe get your sun going again. And so like Data and Jordy are there to help and Timison and, and Data and Jordy are like, are like burning the midnight oil in engineering when uh, Waxana barges in with Mr. Hom and like turns it into a picnic. Ah, oh, Dr. Timison. Oh, would you clear all this mess off the table, please? She wanders in with the promise of pate, and I was yeah. fully expecting Mr. Hom to like dump a bucket of pate onto the table. Yeah, he does have a couple of like five gallon painter buckets, right? Oh man, that sounds delicious. Did you also notice that he was dressed like Scorpion from Mortal Kombat in this scene? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, a man. it's a perfect Scorpion costume. It's he like is a sight. They give him very little to do this episode. I think this is his only scene. Yeah, it was like, why did you guys even bother to get him back if you were only going to have him spread a 
not quite big enough tablecloth on the engineering console. Mr. Hom is the sugar that helps the Luxana medicine go down, though, <laughs> in an episode. So I was grateful that he was there. Yeah. Even for a little while. Fair enough. This scene in engineering with the picnic, though, like this is an example of Luxana taking an action that annoys Jordy and Data and everyone else, but is amusing to Timison. Timison is right. like, oh, she's she's she thinks I'm hungry and she wants to take care of me. This is nice. Yeah. Th- these yeah. affections are are most welcome to Mr. Timison. <laughs> and this yeah. is a scene that plays out multiple times throughout the episode. Like she does something that horrifies everyone else but him. She also really sweats him. Like whenever she's like not around him, she's talking about how much she likes him. Yeah. And uh it's it's a funny it's a funny dynamic, you know. It like it both asks the question what kind of a man would fall for Luoxana? <laughs> but also can you bring yourself to care at all? And that was the real challenge of this episode for me because I just I just found it like I found the stakes to to get so low as to the point of like I feel like I could go take a dump and come back and the same thing would be happening. Oh, Ben, <laughs> you just flip this episode to your phone, take it into the bathroom and finish off in there. Yeah. So they run the experiment. Worf, uh, Worf's really excited, shoots a whole bunch of torpedoes at the sun, and... Uh, and they're like monitoring the experiment. And this is like kind of an extended scene of just like Jordy and Worf and Theta taking turns giving readings. And like, it's just like a very ham fisted, bad way of building suspense, you know? Like, f- at first, it's like, are they going to get to their target number? And then, like, are they going to stay stable at their target number? And then, like, oh, fuck, we blew it. Um, it's It's like. Yeah, it's graph you know, like, reading as tension. It's graph reading as tension, which can work, you know? Like, I think that uh, you've got your your one ping only standing mm-hmm. as as testament to that being a possible way of building tension in film and television. But this is just, it's so long, and it's so hard to, like, remember or care what they're talking about. Yeah, and I think it's because... It's for the reasons that you said, but also, like, they're, they play the tipping point wrong, and they play yeah. it too slow. Like, it's so gradual that by the time things tip over into danger, like, a full two minutes has gone by. If you were able to ramp the tension in a way that the bell curve was steeper, I yeah. think by the time they realize the sun is going nova and they've got to get the hell out, like, that could have been a headier moment. Yeah. It's it's like a two minute scene that's stretched into like a seven minute scene. Yeah, and um, I they think made the a th- mountain into a molehill. Yeah, and I don't, I'm not sure how to like overcome this because the deal with Timison is that there's kind of a surprise coming about his his culture that he comes from. But I think that like we don't we're never given a reason to care about his planet. Yeah, like I think that. Uh, like there's obviously like some merit in just caring about it because it's a bunch of innocent people that are going to have their son go out, which sucks. But like, 
He's set up to have that stupid grandma on Mount St. Helens problem. Like someone asks him directly, you know, if your planet's in such danger, why don't you relocate? And he's like, well, it's my home. We can't leave our home. And that being the only answer, just sort of like kneecaps why we would care. Like you have agency over the survival of your people. And instead he's just choosing to uh, solve for the problem or accept the idea that his planet's going to be destroyed. Yeah, and, and and that's where all of the dramatic tension winds up having to stem from in the rest of the episode. And it's just so, like, it's so warmed over. Like, they just kind of, like, you know, they they really need you to, like, not pay attention to that very strange answer. And I feel like one or two more lines of dialogue could have given an interesting reason. Like, oh, there's, like, a, you know, a kind of radiation in the atmosphere that's unreproducible but it you know our species evolved to need it or you know yeah. something like to make it a, a choice versus a need doesn't isn't enough isn't satisfying yeah. it's not satisfying and 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 it would be more interesting if they were tied to this planet in some in some existential way yeah so anyways they they've failed to reboot this proxy sun and it's a big bummer, and they have to get out of there in a hurry because the sun explodes in, like, a iMovie 2.0 level special effect. <laughs> I didn't like, think it was that bad. Oh, it's so bad, Adam. It like You were it like watching does... it in, on the toilet, Ben. How could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, my vision had started to sort of gray out, so I, don't, I didn't see the whole thing. But Well, you shouldn't be straining so hard in there, Ben. <laughs> Should, uh... Just let it fall out of you. <laughs> Are you saying I need a squatty potty? I, that is what I'm saying exactly, yeah. All right. This episode presented by our title sponsor, Squatty Potty. <laughs> squatty Potty gets those legs up. Squatty Potty have been here with us from the beginning of The Greatest Generation. <laughs> you, may, you may not realize it, but they have in some way sponsored every single episode. It's true. Would you like to turn your digestive system into a racetrack? Squatty Potty <laughs> helps you do that by getting your feet up and elongating your colon in such a way that it fires the shit out of you like so many <laughs> torpedoes into a Kalon 2 sun. You're going to need a titanium-reinforced toilet <laughs> to withstand the impacts of the turds that are going to be shotgunning out of your backside. Faster bowel movements, fewer butt issues, uh, a more pleasant experience. That's Squatty Potty for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to SquattyPotty.com and enter the offer code Benjamin R. Harrison, you, re- <laughs> <laughs> you receive 20% off your next order. <laughs> That's SquattyPotty.com. Squatty Potty, the sponsor that neither asked for nor wanted this ad read. <laughs> nor paid for. <laughs> That's going to get us an ad down the road. That's, yeah, yeah. That's sowing the seeds. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- one of the ways we've been hoping to further monetize our show is by currying favor with some of the some of the companies that do ads on podcasts, and uh, I think that I think that's going to do it. Some of the heavy hitters of the podcast <laughs> advertising community: your your Caspers, your Squarespaces, your Potty, comma Squatty. <laughs> Your dot com comma audible. <laughs> your Weldon comma Mac. Yeah. Your undies comma me. 
all of these companies and more have taken a look at the greatest generation and declined to sponsor. Hard pass. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder why. My love is a There's only two places to go on this ship if you're going to have a, a big-time bum-out. One is Picard's ready room with its signature leaning wall. Yeah. The other is Ten Forward. And being a xenophobe from a planet of people that want to be left alone, Timison winds up in <laughs> Ten Forward trying to have a uh, Camparian soda quietly in the middle of the room by himself. And Waxana sidles up to him and starts trying to get him to hit on her. Which is a very strange tack for a man who is obviously, like, devastated. Yeah. You know? Like, nobody was trying to fuck the night that Trump got elected, you know? <laughs> like, like way to read a room, mind reader. <laughs> Too sad for an erection. Yeah. And yet, they. this is a, a moment where they really have a heart-to-heart. And I, I found myself watching this unsure if I felt like it was a great performance or a terrible one from uh, from Timison. Yeah, because he's playing off of Waxana Troy's mania right now. Like, yeah. Timison is, is devastated, and she comes up playing the game of, like, the flirtation game. I sparkled a bit myself in those days. You see, that's called fishing for a compliment. You're supposed to tell me I still sparkle. Yeah. And nothing could be less desirable at that moment than that kind of flirtation. They are the oil and water of moods right now. Yeah. And somehow that shit emulsifies because, like... <laughs> Into he... a delicious salad dressing. And Nelly Ranch not just for salads anymore. And so he, like, he, like, breaks it to her that, like, he's feels very strongly for her and he wishes he could do more but he's going back to his planet to commit ritual suicide because everybody on his planet when they turn 60 kills themselves so that they won't be a burden to their family you know what's interesting about that part of his story and how it's told is that it's told to her completely (laughs) off camera like you learn of this when Picard is on the FaceTime with the leader of Timison's planet, and after their FaceTime is over, Loxana barges in and is like, "Do you know what these people do at sixty? They kill themselves." And Timison just told me, and I feel like that really deprives the actor who plays Timison of something great. Because that is some heavy shit, and they don't allow him to say it. They instead give the story to her. Yeah, well, and I think that that is sort of symptomatic of the role that the actress who plays Loxana has in the history and life of this show, you know? The blackmail that she's doing on the show? like uh, Yeah, like she should not be handed this responsibility, and yet she is. And then, like, the next scene is not about, like, him and her talking that through. It's about her... Having a major freakout and Troy like trying to talk her down from it, yeah, and and like and like her confronting the the tragedies uh, that the ravages of old age visit on us and feeling 
feeling like you don't matter anymore and all this. And it's like, it's so arch. And it's also like, think about all of the characters who have been passed over for major moments like this that are actual characters that we care about on the show. Yeah. It's somehow so unsatisfying for her to become self-aware. Like, in many ways, up until now, it's what you wish for out of her. <laughs> like, maybe maybe she will become less annoying if she became more self-aware. But somehow, the moment she does, she becomes even more annoying. <laughs> yeah, it's like a... Because she makes it about her, like everything else. Yeah, and Troy even, like... The, the the part that they wrote for Troy here is that she basically has to go just full-blown therapist on her mom. It's not even daughter. It's it's like she slips into her professional role and basically stays in it for the rest of the episode. And that's really weird because that's not really the relationship they've had so far. And Waxana leaves her little conversation with Troy here after having this horrible freak out and goes straight to Timison and they just like basically immediately cut to train entering tunnel oil derrick pumping rocket ship uh, taking off Mr. Hom making pate <laughs> Mr. Hom uh, hitting a gong <laughs> it was uh a real uh, curveball. I, I, I mean, I've seen this episode plenty of times, and I uh, forgot that that was in there. <laughs> that they, uh, that they, that they definitely bang. <laughs> it's the first time that we have a confirmed kill for Loxana, right? <laughs> like she got her man this time. Yeah, bagged She's, uh, him. Filing a notch into her belt afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and. I guess this is like a fuck to wish him happy trails because she's kind of she's kind of fronting like she has accepted his impending mortality at this point. It's like breakup sex, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um but then she starts like she like I guess he like wakes up and he's like, "Oh, like how long have you been sitting there creepily watching me sleep?" and she starts like really trying to talk him out of this ritual suicide thing and like you know obviously like the arguments against it are legion and better than the arguments for it and so but she makes a great comparison though between well well she, what she does is she holds these two thoughts that his people have side by side she's like look you guys you guys are fighting your extermination through science. Like, you're trying to prevent the extermination of your planet by figuring out a way to stop your star from going nova. And yet, yeah. uh, you're you're just fine going into a suicide booth. Like, how can you say that you're so interested in letting things just be what they are? These are the, the way that things have always been. And right. yet you're trying Whereas to... And yet you're trying to to engineer a way for your whole planet to live on. Like, uh, do you guys not see sort of the conflict there? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess maybe that's like the only part of the episode that is like a fractionally interesting <laughs> idea. <laughs> I mean that and like her comparing it to like 
the women's suffrage movement on Beta Z or not yeah. suffrage, but like, you know, we're going to give up the tradition of wearing animals in our hair, which, you know, like, I guess there are lots of like things like that where it takes a little bravery to like break with a, a tradition or a custom, mm -hmm. but then it's a good thing. But yeah, like a strange scene. And, uh, and so she's, she's, she spends a bunch of time kind of working on him for the rest of the episode, trying to talk him into this. And then, and so he's kind of like mulling that over. And then also, and like, and like starting to see kind of the point that she's making and also starting to see the like couple of things that he could have done differently with this experiment and maybe made it work. Like he's going over the, the results with Jordy and data. And he's like, Oh, like, I think that like this problem is not that, hard to solve like it's going to be another couple of years of work but like if i do it it will go pretty quick if somebody else has to like get themselves caught up on where i'm at with this research it'll take a long time and the planet is running out but if i postpone my suicide or just don't do it then that'll be cool i am the cute as a ball you will assist us i am the cute as a ball and so he goes and <laughs> requests asylum from from Captain Picard. Which has felt like a predictable outcome from the start. Yeah, like, but also, like, I don't know, like, it's it's weird that, like, it's sort of asylum from himself. Like, his custom is that he's going to commit suicide. And I guess, like, the people on his planet are really invested in that happening. Like yeah, the, they they have the sheet cake ready. They're ready to celebrate the whole deal because that's how they do it on this planet. You get a big party, you get yeah. to sort of live through your own funeral. Which is a nice idea, but yeah. um, but yeah, the like the the minister of science or whatever guy that they're communicating with down on the planet is uh, is like uh, he's coming back, right? Like he's you guys are gonna get him here like in time for the party, right? <laughs> These coffins ain't cheap. We already we already put put the down payment on the catering and uh, <laughs> you know shrimps aren't going to be good enough to eat for longer than a couple of hours. Yeah. So so uh, so yeah, like when when they get there, like the Kalonians have scrambled a couple of warships to like enforce the Enterprise returning Timison to the planet, and. Uh, <laughs> Everybody on the on the on the entrepreneur is just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, if he works for like three more years, you can save your stupid planet. Just let him do it. And and like they they like cut off communication. Like he's trying to send them like the results of his new findings, and they're like, no, nope, don't want to hear it. Fingers in the ears. La 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 la. I can't hear you. <laughs> and uh, and like this gets tense enough that he's like, all right, fine, I'm gonna. I'm uh I'm starting to like rethink this whole thing and uh and they send uh his daughter up to the enterprise and uh this is um Michelle Forbes who goes on to play Ensign Rowe later in the series but in this uh episode she's got the uh leopard print loaf and like propeller beanie haircut. Yeah. <laughs> this might be the weirdest haircut we've yet seen on the show. It doesn't diminish her attractiveness, that's for sure. I am No. 
I mean, I've said it before. I am a I ride for Michelle Forbes for sure. <laughs> uh, and she actually like like really rises to the occasion of this very strange little role yeah. that she got cast in. It's an obscene ritual. How dare you? How dare you criticize my way of life and my beliefs? I think that I I think I read that they basically were like, "Holy shit, she can really act her ass off. We should uh we should see if we can get her back for something." Sort of exactly the opposite of their relationship to Luxana Troy, <laughs> which is more like like she has blackmail on the creators of the show. Yeah, she's like if you don't write me into an episode once a season and also write that episode at about a season one level. <laughs> Both of you those guys things. Are in, you guys are in trouble with the boss. Yeah. So Michelle Forbes uh, tells her daddy that it's really important that you come back and do this. And it's not just about him. It's about everybody. It's about a and, sheet cake. Yeah. And so... He breaks it to Loxana, like, yeah, like, I love the idea of breaking with this tradition, but uh, I'm not going to be the guy that does that, leads that charge or whatever. And, uh, and, and so I will go and I will, I will buy my own farm <laughs> and, uh, and that's going to be that. And so the last scene is uh, Picard wishing wishing well Dr. Timison as he enters the transporter room and prepares to beam back to the planet. And uh, at the last minute, Waxana runs in, carrying her own suitcase. No Mr. Hom here. I guess uh, hmm. she sort of leaves him in the lurch on the Enterprise. Oh. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> uh, You're kind of breaking up again, Ben. I'm not sure I quite heard that. And uh, and uh, yeah, she says like uh, it's it's customary for your loved ones to be at this at this ceremony, right? And he's like, sure is. And they beam down, and we never see either of them ever again. Happy ending. <laughs> ben, do you think it would have helped if we knew the method of suicide on Kalon Two? Like, does it change how you feel about what's happening if? you know it to be a lethal injection form of suicide or if they like chain Timison to four horses and then like fire a gun into the air. I, uh, for some reason the entire time was picturing him doing wharf suicide. Yeah. Like, like poison knife into the mouth. <laughs> Orally is how he, yeah. would, he would prefer suicide. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think they could have done a little bit more world building there with how that, specifically functions you don't have to show it but i mean even on that one remember that world that was run by women and they mm-hmm. and their form of of uh of of capital punishment was like killing that potted planter <laughs> like even even a little hint of that would have been fun but you just don't know how they go you know there's a party and then they're dead yeah do yeah. they die at the party that would be another thing i'd want to know yeah or do you just go back to your apartment and do it there I got so many questions. This episode falls into a trap that a lot of very bad sci-fi falls into. Have you ever seen the movie Equilibrium, Adam? Yes. It is it's the same problem that that movie has, which is they make up a crazy law that is 
self-evidently unjust and stupid, <laughs> and then spend the entire time moralizing how unjust and stupid that law is. Yeah. It's like, who fucking cares? I'm, I know this, this writing technique has a name, but the idea of, <laughs> the idea of, of manufacturing a problem, if only just to solve it, like, that's, that's what that is. Yeah. It has no it's, reason uh, to exist other than for the purpose of fixing it. Right. And, uh, and like, somehow there's like a couple of interesting moments that come out of it. Like, I think you can have the made-up law that is unjust uh, on its face if if you then have the episode be about the idea of being a person who breaks with tradition against society's wishes or, you know, like, I mean, we talked about, like, a couple of the, of the ways they could have done it where it would actually be interesting, but it just isn't. Like, they don't, it's like the dumb version of this story, not the smart version. And it's so, it's so wild. Like, the, the whole episode feels so season one. You could see how they're trying to buttress the story. Like, they're trying to prop up the tension with the appearance of his daughter. Yeah. But that doesn't work. In spite of Michelle Forbes's valiant efforts, like, yeah. that isn't enough. Something's I think that they spend here. too much... They spend too much of the episode making it about Majel Barrett thinking about the how sad it is to get old. Yeah. And not enough about what it is like to take a stand on a moral issue when you've got, like, objective morality on your side, but not culturally approved morality on your side. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, that's so much more interesting of an episode, you know? Like, they they brush up against the prime directive issues that uh, are implied by that, but they kind of brush them aside in this episode. Like, there's just... It's a miss. It's a big-time miss. It's, it's, it, it, this is, like, the first episode we've watched uh, in, this, in this season where I really, like, almost wish we hadn't had to record an episode about it because it really... It, like, I, I feel like... It's so bad, it's hard to even make jokes about. I was surprised we were able to get an episode out of it, to be honest, because when <laughs> it was over, I was thinking this could be our first 15-minute episode, but we made some hay, as we do. A little bit. Uh, well, uh, speaking of hay, hey, there's a uh, light blinking on my, on my panel here. That's two, Ben. That's two. Another dad joke, you get kicked off the show. Uh-oh. Oh, do you want to check this thing out? Yeah. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we've got a couple of personal jumbotrons. The first one is from Ian, and it's for Erica. It says, my darling, may your holidays be filled with ham... And Husnak. <laughs> I love you more than Data loves period dramas. Thank you so much for introducing me to this ridiculous show. Happy New Year. That is so romantic. <laughs> Man, what a what a what an honest expression of love, uh, including a glancing reference to our favorite returning character. 
Ham, one of the great holiday meats. Mm-hmm. Hoosnock, maybe not so much, but only if you French the bones. You gotta French those Hoosnock bones. I recommend spatchcocking a Hoosnock. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very lumpy meat, but if you take the spine out, you can flatten it down and it cooks more evenly. <laughs> I also like including oysters in the stuffing with my hoosnock. I like to fill the hoosnock's various orifices <laughs> with stuffing. <laughs> you, you may not be familiar with hoosnock anatomy, but the hoosnock have five orifices. <laughs> you're you're going to have to take my word for it. There are none left. <laughs> Oh, man. Kevin, we only know about the Hoosnock from the history books. <laughs> we got another one here, Adam. You want to read it? Sure. Uh, this one is from Silly Goose, and it is for Bubble Butt. <laughs> the message goes like this. I'll always have your back when the Dustbusters come out because you are the data to my wharf, opening all the doors for me. Let's hop in the Previa and explore the galaxy. Or at least another convention. I got a six bay in my purse if things get wild. <laughs> and I promise neither of us has to wear any loaf. <laughs> With much love, your biggest fan. Oh, hey, that's man. That's great. Bubble Butt's got a big fan out there in one <laughs> silly goose. I have a feeling Bubble Butt's got quite a few fans, but uh, <laughs> Silly Goose has really got the right messaging here. Yeah, so, Silly Goose knows how to connect their audience. <laughs> I can only hope uh, Silly Goose has an actual Previa to run around <laughs> Bubble Butt in. Yeah. One of the big regrets of our tour is that we rented a uh, Dodge Caravan and not a Toyota Previa. Yeah, yeah. Boy, there was a there was a year in rental car history where that was the rental van model of choice. We just yeah. missed out. We blew it. We should have started our podcast in 1994. How many listeners would we have had in 1994? <laughs> well, people would have been just off the uh, off off the uh, actual show, so they would have been jonesing for something, right? It would have taken three days to download an episode at those speeds. <laughs> yeah, would have been worth it, Adam. It's true. Well, if you would like to do something that's worth it, you can support our show by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. And uh, these Priority One messages are uh, a big treat for us, and uh, they, they keep the lights on around here. Damok Angelad and Tanaga. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. 
no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Ben? Adam. Did you find a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! I did. The drunk Shimoda for me in this episode happens within the first, like, 30 seconds of the episode. And it is the way that Captain Picard walks into frame. Troy is just completing her, her voiceover. The doors of an elevator opens, and Picard walks out looking sheepish and concerned. And... uh then relieved to discover that Loxana is not in the hallway, and then she barrels around a corner and jumps him. And uh, his, like a panther. Yeah, that that moment of uh, of entrance, and you know, just like Patrick Stewart has built up this character to be so like dignified and honorable, and like seeing him like scared in his own skin on his own ship is always fun. They use a horror movie technique. Uh, with that shot too, where they sort of drag the pan a little bit, so you're not mm-hmm. you're not seeing enough of the field of view to really know what is near, 
and then she just pops into frame and yeah. pounces him. And that's a thing you see in horror movies a lot. Yeah, I, I feel like Woody Allen uses that a lot too. Like a character will strike up a conversation with somebody yeah. that the camera has not panned to yet, yeah. but will. Yeah. Um, which is, uh, this is neither of those things. <laughs> <laughs> in every measurable way. <laughs> did you have a drink, Shimoda, Adam? I did. Um, I got to believe, like, I don't, I don't know that Michelle Forbes is capital M, capital F at this moment in her career. <laughs> but I imagine she's like, oh, good. I like this is a scene I can do something with here. And then they get her in a costume and they attach international hair convention helicopter hair <laughs> to her head. And I wonder how close she was to just going, I, I, I just can't. But what's fun about this scene is that she outacts the hair. She yeah. makes you forget the hair. She and acts to me, right through that hair. That is supernatural for her to be able to pull off her scene and and have you like look at her eyes versus what's happening above her head. I thought that was magical. Yeah. And so like, there's a form of Shimoda that is like that is fun and funny and weird, but like this Shimoda is is just surprising like she pulls it off <laughs> surprising and unexpected so yeah uh, i'm giving it to dara the character of dara as played by michelle forbes nice one what do we have coming up on the next episode the next episode is season four episode 23 the host <laughs> dr crusher i hid this host in my ass <laughs> Dr. Crusher's <laughs> love is I held this the un- test. I held this uncomfortable hunk of metal in my ass. <laughs> I-, I held this uncomfortable symbiont in my ass for, for four years in a prison in- outside of Hanoi. <laughs> and now I give it to you. Dr. Crusher's love is put to the test when she falls for an alien who exists in different host bodies in order to survive. Do you remember this, Adam? I don't really remember this episode. I, I think I dismissed it like I dismissed a lot of episodes that are Crusher, Beverly Crusher centric. You know, like I was, uh, yeah. I was not old enough to really appreciate the nuances of an adult romantic relationship. <laughs> and this episode is basically all about that. Yeah. Uh, I remember the idea of there's like definitely some there's a lot in, in this season that draws on the like body horror el- elements of Alien and mm. this is one of them where there's a thing living inside of a person and uh, I remember that being really alarming to me as a kid watching this show yeah it sounds like it's going to get better right yeah yeah maybe well we gotta watch it We will watch it. That will be the next episode. Thanks to everybody who has participated so far in our big, big contest. Uh, Not much time left to to enter. Um, I'm thinking we're on track, but uh, we are trying to get to a thousand reviews in the U.S. iTunes stores before the end of the year. So go to your iTunes, leave us a nice review when it shows up on the store page take a screen grab send it to drunkshimoda at gmail.com you could be entered to win a 
poster and a t-shirt that uh, were exclusives to our big West Coast tour this year. And uh, I think if we got to a thousand reviews in, in our first calendar year of existing, that would feel really good. So it's a, it's a win-win, potentially. Right. We win a thousand reviews. You win a shirt that you probably shouldn't wear around mixed company and a poster <laughs> you can't hang in public. <laughs> well, uh, we should also encourage people to go to MaximumFun.org slash donate where you can make a monthly contribution to the production of our show. really helps us uh, keep the lights on around here. And uh, you can also go to MaxFunStore.com, spend some of that, uh, some of that holiday gift money that I'm sure you're starting to anticipate having on one of our beloved t-shirts. And uh, Take it from me. The joy you feel of spending $20 given to you by a grandparent on, uh, mm-hmm. on something Star Trek related is yeah. a joy and a shame that will stay with you forever. When you write Granny a thank you card and try to explain to her what drunk Shimoda is, <laughs> that's a big deal. She'll love that. Uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music, and a big thanks this week to Adam Ragusia, who uh, he makes the music that you hear when we read Priority Ones. Uh, last week we asked him if he would come up with another little piece of music for us, and he was like, "All right, I'll do it." And then the next day was like, "Hey, my son broke his leg, and I've been at the hospital all day, and uh, <laughs> so I can't." And then he went ahead and did it anyway. What a guy! Wow. The goose. Uh, I hope his son doesn't listen to our show, because that sends a <laughs> that sends a message of some kind to yeah. his about his priorities. <laughs> uh, what a what a mensch. We're yeah. uh, we're lucky to be pals with Adam Ragusia. Thanks, um, goose. With that, uh, we will be back at you next time with a great episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation and a very kissy episode of The Greatest Generation. It's like a Tim and Eric gag at this point. You should be a Foley artist. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.